Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Jeff Shelby, the author of Thread of Revenge, the sixth book in the Joe Tyler series, which was released last month. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for having me, Steve. Glad to be here. This is a... Oh, it's the sixth book in the, in the series. It's the first book in the series that I've read, and you've totally hooked me on, on the storyline. Now I've got to go back and read the first five books to find out what actually happened to set up this story. But it's a great story. You just sucked me in right from the beginning. So uh, great job, you. Let's, let's start out by giving listeners a little sense of Joe and his story, if you would. Sure. Um, it, you know, I, I had this idea that I thought it would be very interesting to create a, a protagonist or a main character about a guy who had a missing child and in his search for him or her helped other people find their kids. And, and the, the kind of <laughs> struggles that that would be in being successful with other people, helping them find their kids, but not being able to find your own. Um, and that was kind of the impetus for the very first book, which was that of hope. Um, and, you know, as we went along, I never wanted it to be one where there wasn't closure, where he didn't find her or, you know, or he found her in the end wasn't good. I always had in mind that I kind of wanted his hunt to be successful in, in the end, um, you know, and along the way, you know, make that interesting and you bring in all the other personal relationships and everything that's been affected by, you know, his daughter's disappearance for, you know, seven to eight years and, and how his life has changed in that time and then trying to put the pieces back together should he be able to to find her and bring her home. Um, so that was kind of the impetus. Um, and so, you know, he has spent time hunting her down and hunting who was responsible for her abduction and, and why it occurred. And, you know, what what he's learned that even as he gets answers, there there is still fallout and, and there there are always questions to be asked. And that's part part of the interesting storyline of the book is just these things that just keep popping up. And, uh, you know, the daughter's sense of when is this actually ever going to be over? But you opened the book with a scene from a track meet. I ran track when I was in high school. I don't know whether you did or not, but that was a terrific scene. Oh, great. Thank you. No, I actually didn't. You know, it's one of my regrets at 45 that I wish, you know, I took up running later in life and certainly not in a competitive um, competitive way, but, you know, more for exercise, more for getting out and, you know, that, that kind of thing. But it was one of those things where, you know, I played basketball and I played tennis in, in high school, but I never ran. And it's one of those things that I wish that I had done. And one of my best friends was a great 400 meter runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and it was always great to go to the meets and watch him in high school, run the 400 meter and then run the anchor leg on the 1600 relay. And, you know, that there's such, there, there's such drama, with with track and i just thought you know it was one of those things where in the fifth book in the series running was kind of one of the ways that he was trying to reconnect with his daughter and and pushing her toward you know he saw that she had some ability to be good and i thought oh that would be a great way to open you know the the sixth book after they had had this conversation about you know her running and she was uncertain about whether she wanted to take that on and then i thought oh this would be good so i'll try to remember what it was like you know 30 years <laughs> high school and what it felt like so i appreciate hearing that i'm glad you thought it was good and it's it, it's interesting because your friend ran the 400 and she's running 
the mile or whatever the mile is in meters, I think, in this book. But that's a longer race. So, I mean, the 400 is about as far as a human being can go at that speed and do well. I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I tried to be competitive at that level, and there was just no way. I didn't have the lung capacity to do it, so I wound up running longer distances. And I don't think I've ever read a story since I read the biography of Jim Ryan a long time ago about someone running that middle distance, sort of. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. And, you know, it's so funny because it's one of those events because my buddy ran it in high school and because he was really good. Um, you know, it's one of those events that I've paid attention to over the years um, because I, I've heard it described exactly the way you're putting it. You know, it's the most painful sprint that, that a human can do because it's, yeah. it's essentially a sustained sprint for 400 meters, which is about as long as, as the top level athletes can go. And so there's always, you know, a certain amount of drama there. And I'm all, and I'm fascinated by people, you know, who can run that at those amazing times. And I, I chose to have Elizabeth run, run the mile, the 1600, because I just thought, you know, that from a, from a visual standpoint, trying to picture the story as you read it, I thought over the course of four laps, and again, I don't know how many times that'll be, you know, used over the course of the series, but I thought, you know, it, it's a great visual to, to see this girl circling the track multiple times, you know, and having people watch her and, you know, introduce, you know, different, there's kind of a mirroring there too of, of what her journey has been, you know, not, not to get too, too highbrow literate with you, but, you know, you know, I thought there was, there was some nice symbolism there in having her run that race. Yes. And, and the part where she caught, well, I, I'm not going to go into that, but uh, it, it's a really great scene. And uh, it's a great way to start the book and introduce someone like me who's unfamiliar with the storyline to the story. And uh, you, really, you really get sucked in right away with that. So let's, let's get in now to Threat of Revenge. Uh, what's, what's the storyline for the book? What happens sort of after this race? The, the storyline is this, is that, you know, he, Joe worked for a number of years to track her down and, and he was finally successful in, in finding her. But in doing so, he had to kind of navigate multiple worlds. And, and in some of those worlds, there were people that he would have rather not associated with and not have, you know, um, you know, interacted with except that they were the way to, to get to his daughter, um, you know, and to find the people that were responsible for, for her initial abduction. And, you know, and in doing that, he ended up incurring a few debts to people that the kind of people you don't want to be in debt to. And at the the end of the fifth book, he was that one of those debts was called in. Um, and the tasks that he was asked to perform, he chose to lie about having get gotten it done. And he knew it was a risk at the time, um, but he just didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to do it. He wasn't comfortable doing it. And so he lied about having done it. Well, that, of course, then comes back to haunt him in this book, that that the man that he owed the debt to, a man named John Anker, found out that he's lied. And now not only is Anker demanding that that he pay the debt as asks, as asks but that there's consequences for having lied to him in the first place. That's well done. It's, you know, sometimes it's hard to give a storyline without giving anything away, but you, you did it nicely there. <laughs> I want to give listeners a little sense. I've told you this before in another interview that we did of how I was introduced to your work, but for listeners who don't listen to the author biz, uh, it was a few years ago where I was talking to someone about 
really enjoying a certain PI novel. I don't remember what it was or who it was that told me this, but I remember them saying, oh, you need to read the Noah Braddock series by Jeff Shelby. So I looked it up, got the first book, read it, thought, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. So I read the next two. I think at that time there were three. Uh, There was eventually a fourth. And then I learned of this Joe Tyler series but being the whiny reader that I am, I'm like, I don't want to read the Joe Tyler series. I want to read more Noah. So I'm going to make this guy write more Noah by not reading Joe Tyler. Did it work? <laughs> well, yeah, yes, it did. Even though, you know, I, I think when we talked last, you know, I had, I had just started the, the fifth Noah book. And just whether it was, whether it was you motivating me or, <laughs> or, or, or whatever it was, that story has kind of come together. Um, and, and so, yes, the, the, net, the fifth Noah book will be out, I, I hope, you know, very, very soon. So, so yes, in part, and you know, it's, it's, it's funny because the, the Joe Tyler series is definitely the most widely read series of anything that I've written, but I get asked far more about, the Braddock series. So go figure, you know, I don't know how those two, two things work, work together, but that, and I, and I think because there's been hiatus is it hiatus is in between those Noah mm-hmm. books. I think that people have said, you know, Hey, when is he coming back? When is he coming back? And, you know, it, it, you know, there were, there were different factors at work there, but you know, it's funny because that is the one that people say, Hey, I love this book, but when are we going to see Noah again? So there <laughs> and, you go. And as so often happens with me when I, when I go through my whiny reader phase and I decide I'm not going to read this new series by an author I like, when I eventually break down and buy the book, I'm like, oh my gosh, that book is fantastic. I should have read this a long time ago. And I, of course I was doing that as I was reading this saying, wow, I, I could have read all these books if I hadn't been such a whatever. But I was thrilled to see Noah in this book. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, to, to go to that first point, you know, I think that's I think that's normal as readers. I think we get hooked on a series or a set of characters and we don't we don't want to leave them. And and we're also afraid to go read something else and afraid it might not be as good or meet our expectations. Um, so I think I totally understand that from a reader standpoint. Um, yeah. And as far as Noah showing up in this book, it was it was an opportunity that that actually my wife saw, you know, and said, hey, you have an opportunity here to kind of commingle everybody and he can kind of make a quick cameo. And, you know, for, for the people that are familiar with him, I, I think that was probably a, a, a moment of excitement. And, you know, for people who who aren't. I think they can. I think there's a sense that these guys are maybe a little bit more important than what they necessarily show to be in this book. That they might play bigger roles elsewhere, and mm-hmm. you know maybe that introduces them to the Noah series. I, I don't know, but it was a fun thing to do. It, it was it was fun to have everybody together on the page. That that was that was fun to do from a, a creation standpoint. Let's talk a little bit about your, um, you know, the, your living arrangements. We're all familiar with people that are bi-coastal. You know, you got, you've got a place on the East Coast. You've got a place on the West Coast. You're like the opposite. You've got a place up north in uh, Minnesota and a place in Texas. So it's almost like it's a straight shot down. What's, what's the deal with that? It, it literally is a straight shot. It's a, it's a two-hour and five-minute flight. <laughs> um, it, well, you know, as, as I... As I usually say to everybody, I like to make sure that my life's as complicated as possible. <laughs> um, and, you know, and and what happened was, you know, I was married for a number of years, got divorced, um, 
and then reconnected with with the girl who got away from me in high school. And I was living in Dallas at the time, and she's living up here in Minnesota. And you know, with we both have kids and and all those kinds of things, and there there wasn't the freedom and flexibility to to one of us to move to the other. Um, but yet we kind of knew, Hey, we were getting it right the second time around and, and decided that we were going to try to, you know, have a, a long distance marriage, so to speak for a number of years until the kids are old enough to be on their own. And then, you know, one of us can move to the other. And so the, the fortunate thing about it is that writing full time allows me the flexibility to travel. So every Sunday I'm either going to one place or the other. Um, so I'm in Texas when my daughter in Texas is with me. And then when she goes to spend time with her mom, then I'm back up in Minnesota the next week. So I fly pretty much every Sunday. <laughs> so again, I just like to make it as complicated as possible. The crazy thing is it's worked out really, really well. And everybody, everybody gets along, everybody's happy. And so it feels like the right thing. So, it, you know, everybody kind of widens their eyes when we tell them what the arrangement is and you know how it all works. But then I think they see it all in action and go, oh, yeah, okay, well, it's not that weird. All right, one last question on your writing. You mentioned you're a full-time writer. We've talked about the Noah series, the Joe Tyler series, which are both sort of hard-boiled crime, PI-type things. And then you have written a couple of other series. One is ongoing, but they're more cozy mysteries, which which I find fascinating that someone would write in in both the subgenres of, of mystery. So uh, tell listeners a little bit about your other series, if you would. Yeah, I, I have actually two other cozy mystery series. Um, and the first one um, I wrote for Kensington, um, and the, the main character is Deuce Winters. And so it, the, the, the subtitle for the series is the stay-at-home dad mystery series. And, and at the time, I just had, had this idea. I was sort of a stay-at-home dad and you know had new new daughter at home and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny to kind of put the stay-at-home dad you know, and, and based on some of my experiences in, you know, where you're the dad at school and you're surrounded by the moms and, you know, you're kind of clumsy and fish out of water, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that would be amusing and, and a good setting for, um, you know, to, to put some less serious mysteries, you know, onto the page. Um, and so I wrote three books featuring that character. Um, and and I, truthfully, I wrote the first one. It, the first one was called Stay at Home Dead. And I honestly wrote that for myself more than anything else. I didn't think anybody would ever publish it because it, I, I just I, I wrote as many goofy things into it as I could. Um, and then when I told my agent about it, she was like, well, let me take a look at it. And she's like, oh, we can totally sell this. <laughs> and, and she did. Um, so so that was that that was that. And then that that actually that first book in that series is actually under option um, right now to a guy who. It looks like he's going to turn it into a, a made-for-TV cable movie. Which oh, is, that would be awesome. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I couldn't believe that when she told me that this guy was interested in it. Um, but it's moving down that road, and so far we haven't seen too many roadblocks. So we'll see. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I thought, again, going back to our complicated lives and being in two different places and you know merging our families and you know all that kind of stuff – I decided I was going to kind of take the same idea with a silly cozy and kind of use some of what um, has happened in our lives and write um, write a series based on that. And we, our home in Minnesota, 
is it's about 130 years old. Um, I believe it's the second oldest home in the town that we <laughs> that we mm. live in, and we had discovered um, in the basement um, after we moved in there's there was a crawl space um, that we had to get into and clear out, and it was a very small space, and it's actually up off the ground, so you had to climb up into it. And when I got to the back of the crawl space, there was what essentially is a trap door, um, a door about probably you know square two by two by two by two. Um, and I turned around to my wife and I said, there's a door here. And she's like, Oh my God, open it. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, I'm not opening it. Um, <laughs> and I, and so we ended up holding it open and it, I, we think it, it was, um, a cistern where water, where rainwater was collected, you know, a hundred years ago or so. And so the, the impetus was, Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be great if there was a dead body in the cistern? Um, and so we were like, oh my gosh, this is just writing itself. So that was kind of the impetus to write the first book. And and as that's gone along, it's just, you know, it's it's fun to kind of fictionalize our real lives. Um, and so that's that's the Moose River mystery series. And you know, it's silly and funny and you know, based around family and that kind of stuff. And very traditional in a cozy sense, you know, where you've got your your list of suspects and you gotta figure out who done it, that kind of thing. So well, I, I just find it incredibly interesting that you have uh, you're writing in both these genres. So where where can listeners find Thread of Revenge? Um, they can find it on any of the ebook platforms. Um, it is live on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, and Apple. So it is it's there. And gosh, if you look there and you can't find it, then people should email me and I'll get it to them. Okay, and what's the best way for people to keep up with you and and these multiple series that that you're writing? And maybe people are even interested in Noah. I hope so. If you're out there listening, send Jeff an email and let him know you want more Noah books. Absolutely, they should do that. <laughs> um, the best way is my website. It's jeffshelby.com. And after we last spoke, you said, "Hey, there's no way to contact on you on that." There's now a contact button on there, so <laughs> people can literally contact me directly. If they if they need to, I'm not much of a social media guy. Um, I don't do Twitter. I'm not. My wife is trying to convi- convince me to do Instagram, uh, and I'm just resistant to it because I'd rather spend time writing the book. So so using the west the best way for people to keep up is checking that website or subscribe to the website. All right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, subscribing to the email list. Through the website is the best way. That's how I find out about your new books. And I'm going to be looking now. I'm counting down uh, for the uh, for the next Noah book. So I'll be looking for that email saying it's ready. Absolutely. Jeff, it, it's coming, I promise. Jeff, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Steve, for having me. I appreciate it. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you do stop by the website, please sign up for my email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Thread of Revenge from Jeff Shelby. Thanks for listening.